Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We're overjoyed to introduce you to our new sermon series, At the Movies. All movies tell a story, and every great story borrows from God's story. Due to licensing restrictions, you will hear cuts during part of the sermon where the movie is played. This week, our feature film is Bruce Almighty, following TV reporter Bruce Nolan, who is tired of his mediocre life and gets a chance to become God himself for a week. We hope you enjoy. I love a good comedy. I'm a comedy guy. People ask me all the time, what kind of shows do you and your watch do your wife watch? And I tell them all the time, comedies. I just, I don't like scary movies. I'm not going to pay somebody to, 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 to steal my sleep. I'm not going to do that, okay? I don't like sad movies. Life is sad enough. I enjoy laughing. I'm a comedy guy. And one of my favorite comedy actors is in this movie today, Jim Carrey, my man, my boy, my homie. Um, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That's what we're watching. Just kidding. Um, I love that movie. No, we're going to watch a movie that I think hopefully is going to encourage you and inspire you. A movie that's been out now for, gosh, makes me feel so old, but uh, 13 years. This movie's been out for 13 years. I hope you enjoy watching, learning from Bruce Almighty. <laughs> and then he does, <laughs> but he doesn't recognize it. I wonder, has something ever been so obvious that you missed it? So close that you didn't catch it? Maybe you're like my wife, and you have a purse. And in that purse, humanity is lost. In that purse. Oftentimes, she can't find her wallet. I'm like, baby, it's in your purse. Baby, it's in your purse. I've lovingly come to know the purse as the black hole. A child could get lost in that purse. Uh, There's a lot of things that could get lost in there. And I think that's the story of Bruce's life. Bruce Nolan is his name. He loses his job. But, and he starts to complain. But I really think in the midst of his complaining, he's missing all the blessings that he has. For example, he's in the car, and he's saying, uh, man, oh, this is, God's out to get me. I, I came, just my luck. I, my luck, my luck. Dude, somebody just passed you in a stretcher, and it could have been you. Five minutes earlier, and that would have been you in that accident. God doesn't, God's not trying to get you back. God has your back. You know, and then he goes home, and he complains about his mediocre apartment. But he misses the fact that he has a home, having just left a homeless man, Right? And then he starts to complain about his mediocre life. The only problem is he's complaining to his girlfriend, who happens to be Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) Now, I love my wife. Don't get me wrong. Wouldn't trade her for anybody in the world, but dude, you got it pretty good. I wouldn't exactly call your life mediocre, right? You got it going on. That's how it is sometimes. And while I think it's easy to criticize Bruce, I think it might be even easier to empathize with Bruce, because I think a lot of us can be like that sometimes. I was speaking to a a, a leader in our church, not just a leader, one of our best leaders, and and this leader sat down with me, and he said, he said, hey, man, I think I'm going to have to step down. And I said, man, what's going on? Are you tired? He goes, no, it's not it. I go, man, are are there too much on your plate? He goes, no, man, is it work? He goes, no, man. And he begins to, to tell me maybe some poor decisions that he made, but none of it was like sin, like, you know, anything like that. Just, man, some bad decisions, and I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, yeah, but I remember you a year ago. Do you remember who you were? You're not a sinner. You're human. (laughs) You're human. And instead of comparing yourself to who you're not, why don't you compare yourself to who you're not? Who who God brought you out of, the way God brought you out of. And start understanding that his blessings have been following us. I think that a lot of us are like that, you know? We're always the last person to uh, realize all the great things that God's doing in our life, always the last person to give us credit, always the last person to recognize the progress that's happening in our lives. Like, it's kind of like working out. Anybody ever work out for a considerable amount of time? And every morning you check yourself out in the mirror and you feel like, oh, I'm not seeing any gains. I'm not losing any weight. And then you meet somebody who just sees you in a long time and they're like, dude, that looks pretty, you look pretty good. You're like, oh, really? Oh, 
okay. This is the day I was getting dressed in the room, and, uh, and Liz looked over at me, and it was a look. You know what I'm talking about. It was a look. I said, yeah? Can I help you? That's what I said. Like a piece of meat. Can I help you? She said, she said, babe. I said, what? She said, your butt. I said, what about it? She said, it's getting bigger. I said, really? I did not, I did not know. Can I tell you I left that conversation encouraged? And not just encouraged, but motivated. I went to the gym the next day, like, come on, okay. Okay, I'm going to put some extra weight on that. I'm going to some squats, some, some deadlifts, put some, right? She changed the perception of my reflection. She changed the way I saw myself. And by seeing myself in a different way, I was more encouraged. I was more motivated. And that's exactly what I want to do for you today. Not compliment your butt. That'd be weird. What I want to do is give you a better perception of your reflection. Because I believe if you start to see yourself, not just the way someone else sees you, but hear me out. If you start to see yourself the way God sees you, you will leave this place encouraged. You will leave this place motivated, ready to put more pounds on the barbell of life, ready to put more pounds on at work, ready to put more pounds on in your family, ready to do more than you could ever dream. All of that comes out of the image for yourself. And I want to tell you the image that you should have of yourself. It's the image that God has of you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. God said, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper and reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living creature that moves on the earth. I want you to tell your neighbor the title of my message today. Tell him, you look like him. You look like him. Yeah, I don't know what you see when you look in the mirror, but let me tell you, do not let the mirror and whatever you hold in it be the last word or the last opinion on who you are. Because I'm going to tell you who you look like. You look like your heavenly father. You look like God. And if you look like God, you know what that does mean? That means that you don't look like an addict. You don't look like a failure. You don't look like you're broken. You don't look lonely. You don't look fat. You don't look too skinny. You don't look empty. You don't look hopeless. You look like your father. And if you understand how you look and you understand the way he sees you, it changes you because you understand that his love is not predicated on what you do or don't do, but just the fact that you look like him. When my very first son was born, Justice, I remember falling so in love with him and not having an idea in the world why. People say that you should have a kid because they take a lot from you, but they give more than they take. That is a lie from the pit of hell. They do not take more than they, 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 they do not give more than they take. They take way more than they ever give. The moment, the moment I got them, that somebody gave me a bill for $20,000 trying to take $20,000 from my, just for coming into the world. I'm like, man, we should have done this in the bathtub. Would have been free. My goodness, $20,000. My wife is sitting there. She had a C-section, took, took her health, and then we're trying to sleep in the middle of the night, taking our sleep, just taking, taking, taking. But I remember looking at our baby that night, loving him so much, and not understanding why until we started to talk about it. My wife was looking at Justice, and we're going, oh, my gosh, look, he's got your ears. Oh, my gosh, look, he's got your nose. Oh my gosh, look, he's got your lips. Oh my, which all babies look alike, but that's just what parents do. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's got, your, he's got your hair follicles. Like, what? <laughs> he's got this and he's got that, right? And that's when it hit me. I don't love him because of anything that he's done or anything that he's given or taken. I love him because he has my DNA. I love him because he looks like me. I love him because I can see myself in you. And when God looks at you and wants you to know he doesn't see your past, he doesn't see your present, he doesn't see your fears or failures, he sees himself. He sees the part of him that he put inside of you and his eyes glisten and his smile goes 
goes up when he sees you. Know who you are and know who your father is. And let that inspire, motivate, and change the way you live your life. There was a young girl I once met. She was six years old. Her father was a pastor of a church of 10,000 people. And her father told me this hilarious story. They're in, in, in nursery or with children's ministry, and it was nap time. They had nap time in children's ministry. Um, I like nap time. We should bring back nap time for adults, right? Just give you 10 minutes in the middle of service. Everybody on three, just come back. It would be great. So uh, he had nap time, and in the middle of nap time, uh, she goes up to, to, to the little girl. Her name was Brianna. And he said, Brianna, it's nap time. It's time to sleep. And she said, actually, she said, I really don't want to sleep right now. She said, and in fact, um, I see you got some cookies. I'll take those cookies, please. She said, whoa, well, Brianna, first off, the cookies are for after nap time, and it's nap time. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. She's this little six-year-old girl with authority. She said, oh, I'm sorry. You must not know who my father is. <laughs> she said, my dad is Pastor so-and-so. I won't say his name because he watches this podcast. But she said, my father is Pastor so-and-so. She said, excuse me. And listen, it was a little rude. It was a little uncalled for. But doesn't it change the way you see life when you understand who owns the building, when you understand who your father is? Then You need to walk into your business because of who your father is and who you look like and say, I'll take that promotion, please. That's very good. I'll take that. You need to walk into your marriage, okay? You need, I, 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 I'll take that, please. I'll take happiness and I'll take that joy, please. We're going to have a baby. I'll take a baby. I'll take twins, please. Matter of fact, just make them triplets. Just knock it all out in one shot. I'll take it. I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it with that authority. God says, I want you to prosper. I want you to fill the earth, and I want you to take charge. You need to take charge of your life and don't feel like you're the victim. Don't feel like somebody's out to get you. Know who your father is and know who you look like. You look like God. <laughs> I love that part. I love that part. You look like him. What does that mean? That means you have his name. Tell somebody you have his name. What's in the name? A lot's in the name. I am a child of my mother's side, my father's side. My mother's side is the Ocasio's. My father's side are the Vasquez's. We always had the biggest house in the family. We had one. My dad was one of ten. My mom was one of nine. So when we had family get-togethers, we would often meet at my house. It'd always be a battle between the Vasquez's and the Ocasio's. And whenever the Vasquez's would upset at me, they'd be like, you're such an Ocasio. Whenever the Ocasio's would get upset at me, they'd say, you're such a Vasquez, right? Because there's more in the name. When we say a name, we're attaching to that name a personality, an expectation, right? There's a lot in the name. We say a name like Trump. We say a name like Kardashians. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of expectations. And there's power in knowing that you have God's name because of what God's name is. And if you've never heard it before, it can be found in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? And then what am I going to tell them? Are you John? Are you Bill? Are you Joe? Sarah? I need a name. Or else they're not going to listen. Say this to the people of Israel. My name is I am. I am has sent me to you. Moses must have felt like he was in a hidden prank show. Like, I am what? That is an incomplete sentence. Uh, and it can be confusing. William, would you help me out real quick? Come on up here real quick. Run, 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 run. It can be confusing uh, to walk around. Uh, uh, no, that's the gum. Uh, to walk around. I'm sure it's here somewhere. Uh, 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 here we go. To walk around like this. What's your name? No, 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 no. Don't say that. No. You're God, you're, you're, you're God right now. What's your name? Hello, my name is. That's essentially what, what God was saying. He walked up into the party like, so your name is? Exactly. Exactly. He didn't like, and it wasn't that God was trying to be tricky, and it wasn't that God was trying to be confusing. God just didn't want to be labeled because of what you put labels on. William, what do you put a label on? Boxes. Boxes. 
The reason why we couldn't put a label on God is because God can't fit in a box. He didn't want a label because labels are limiting. And so Bruce goes up to, goes up to God, Morgan Freeman in the movie, and he says, oh, so you're the, you're the CEO? You're, you're the janitor and you're the electrician? Yeah. He's three in one. By the way, he's the CEO, father. He's the janitor, cleans up the messes, the, the son. And he's the electrician. He's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, that's right. He's three in one. He can be more than one thing. That's the beauty about God. You can't limit him. He left it blank, not because he's trying to trick you. He left it blank because he wanted you to know, no matter what the bill of life is, it's a blank check. I can be what you need. You need me to be the boss in your life? I can be the boss and show you where to go. You need me to clean up the messes? That's how I can. I send Jesus. I can be the janitor. You need power for living? I can be the electrician. I can be it all because I am all things. I am all things. If you're stuck in a lion's den like Daniel was, hopefully it never happens to you, he can be the lion tamer. If you're in prison, chained to the floor like Paul and Silas was, he can be the earthquake. You find yourself in life with some decisions to make and you don't know where to go, no problem. Because for the Israelites, he was a cloud by day and a fire by night. He is whatever you need him to be in every area of your life. And here's how this applies to you. If God rejects labels and God doesn't want labels, then guess what? That means you shouldn't allow anybody to label you either. God is an infamous label ripper. He hates labels. They try to put a, they try to put a label on this, on this little boy named David, shepherd. Samuel came looking for the next anointed one. He said, I need to find the next anointed one. His dad said, we don't got anybody here. All we got is a little 12-year-old shepherd in the back. You don't want him. And God said, mm, I don't like that label. Uh, uh, you call him a shepherd, uh, but I call him king. Yeah, then there was a, a woman named Rahab. She was, a, uh, she was a, a, a prostitute. You might not have heard of her. The reason why you probably haven't heard of her is because uh, she doesn't get known as a prostitute uh, once that life is over because she actually ends up rescuing the entire nation of Israel. So when you read about her in the New Testament, God changed the label. She's not Rahab the prostitute. She's Rahab the rescuer. And then there was that other guy. Yeah, people didn't really like to listen to him because his dad's name was Joseph and he made tables for a living. He was a carpenter. But God said, yeah, you know what? I don't like that. That label either. Uh, you call him the carpenter, but I call him the Christ. You got to understand, God is not a label, uh, cannot be labeled, and you cannot either. So you need to begin rejecting the labels in your life. People love labels because labels help us understand the world better, you know? It helps us put people in categories. The very first thing my son does when he watches a movie, very first thing, always, what's the question, babe? Who's the bad guy? Daddy, is that the bad guy? He wants to know who to root against and who to root for. Who's the hero? Who's the bad guy? So I can know. We are a society of labels. In Moses' day, they were all about labels too. Clean, unclean. Jewish, Samaritan. Gentile. And depending on your label, depending on how far you would go. And God says, you know what? I'm done with labels. I reject labels. Your name is not whatever people call you. Your name is I am. It is what you need to be for that situation. And so, so what if people try and label you divorced? There's a stigma with that. You're divorced. There must be something wrong with you. Could have been something wrong with him. Something wrong with you. Divorce? Ooh, second marriage, third marriage. Oh, divorce. God says, you're not divorced. You're destined. Reject that label. Reject that label. Just lost my job. Just lost your job. Oh, man. Getting unemployment? Oh, that's a bad label to carry. Unemployed, huh? Dang. You know what God says? Man, you're not unemployed. Listen, and don't worry about the bills either because you're not unemployed. You're protected. 
God is all about changing the labels. He says, oh, you know what? Maybe you've had a couple business failures. Maybe you've had a couple marriage failures. You're, you're a failure, and that's why people want to label you because of your experience and all that. And God says, no, 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 you're not a failure. Here's, here's the thing about every failure. Every failure makes you stronger so you can find success later on in the future. And I needed you to fail in the beginning so that you could be prepared and equipped. For, you're not a failure. You're qualified. That's what you are. That's what you are. That's what you are. Spend some time locked up, and now for the rest of your life, you got to carry this label. Felon. Rest of your life, every job that you apply for, felon, felon, felon. God says, listen, they might have had you behind bars, but when I died on the cross, I broke every bar. I broke every chain. You're not a felon. You're free. You need to pull off every label that the world tries to put on you and understand. I reject those. This is what my God the Father calls me. He calls me free. He calls me chosen. Don't let the mirror tell you who you are or your friends tell you who you are. Let this word right here tell you who you are. Let that be the mirror of your soul. Because here's what God's going to do. God's gonna, Morgan Freeman's going to talk to you one day. Morgan Freeman is going to come down with a voice, and you know what he's going to say? He's going to tell you exactly what he told Bruce Nolan, Jim Carrey in the movie. He's going to say, I have a job for you. Or however the Morgan, that's my Morgan Freeman impression. It wasn't good. I have a job for you, Bruce. That's my Morgan Freeman impression. Still not good, but. And when you, when he tells you he has a job for you, this is your first response. But I'm this. I'm that. God. Well, matter of fact, that's exactly what Moses did. Look at it real quick. In Exodus. Chapter 3, now go for, now go for, now go, for I am sending you to the Pharaoh. I have a job for you. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Look what Moses says. Next verse. But Moses protested to God. But look at my label. I can't go. I got a label on. And who am I? I'm a stutterer. I'm a murderer. And this is what God's response to him. You might be those things, but I am. I will be with you, and I am everything that you need. Listen, stop looking at yourself and start looking at the God in you. Stop looking at your failures and start looking at him because you look like him. I don't care what your label is. You're not a mom. You're a disciple. You're not a middle schooler. You're a missionary, okay? God has got labels for you that you have yet to see. You're not a, you're not a prisoner. You're a preacher, okay? You're not a sinner. You're a singer. God has got labels that he is waiting to write and slap on you because he has a job, he has a ministry, and he has a calling. You don't see it, but he sees it, and he's just waiting for you to come to him so he can rip off every bad one and add on every good one. Start looking at yourself in God's eyes. He has a job for you. Hey, he said the problem is that you're always looking up. Let me tell you something about prayer. I love prayer. Prayer is one of the foundations of our church, of, of, our, of, of Journey Church. In fact, in August, uh, we're going to actually be doing 21 days of prayer. And so, hey, pray for, pray for Paris. Pray for London, pray for New York, pray for Pulse. Let's pray. Let's keep praying. Let's not stop praying. I think one of the reasons why Jesus was so successful in his ministry was because he made prayer a priority. But what I love about Jesus is that he didn't just ask God for a miracle. He became the miracle. He carried his cross knowing that it was the love of God shining through his life that would change people. Let me tell you, you look like God. Not only do you look like him and you have his name, but you look like God, which means you also have his hands. You have his hands. And there are things that God is waiting for you to do with your hands. And that's what makes Jesus so powerful. That's what made him so successful. He didn't just preach. He served hungry people. He made a difference in the community. He loved and loved completely. And there's a difference between complete love and incomplete love. And I think that image is actually caught in the image of the cross. You know, a lot of people have this image of the cross, Jesus carrying it. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but he's looking like, he's just looking like a, like a, like a MMA Spartan warrior. Like he's got this big old 300-pound cross on his back, the actual cross, and he's just dragging that thing. 
He's in the dirt. And I want to let you know, historically, that's not what happened at all. The cross would have been 300 pounds. Now, granted, he's Jesus. He, he could have done anything. But historically, that's not how they crucified prisoners. The, the vertical part was already in place when he got there. It was the horizontal part that he carried, which is interesting because the Bible tells us, carry your cross. And so what he was really carrying was this part, not this part. And the reason why I say that is because when it comes to God's love, you know, love the Lord and love your neighbor. This is the love of God that changes the world. I wonder which part we have in place and which part is hard to carry. This part or this part? Well, I think this part's easy. I love God. Raise your hand if you love God. Oh, yeah, I love God. Loving God's easy, but come on. God is invisible, and he only also talks to you when you want to talk to him. I could love people, too, if they were invisible, and they only wanted to talk to me when I wanted to talk to them. I would love people so hard. If they were invisible, and they didn't bother me, and they didn't want to talk to me, I would love the whole world. No, but loving people gets messy. Loving people is difficult. That's why Jesus said, hey, you got to carry that cross. Loving people when they don't love you back, that's not easy. But look what the Bible says in 1 John. Got up there? 1 John. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made what? Complete. It's not just about this part. It's about this part, too. We got to love God, but we got to also be willing to love people. Because, yes, you look like your father. And, yes, he wants you to be prosperous and successful. But why does he want you to be prosperous and successful? That's the question. See, I don't mind preaching prosperity. Some people, they don't like prosperity preaching because they're like, you can talk about freedom. You can talk about deliverance. You can talk about hope and happiness. But don't talk about God wants to give me a promotion. Don't talk about God wants me to have money. Don't talk about that. I won't, I won't receive that because there are people in the third world countries who don't have that. And that message doesn't apply to them. But I think that it does because I think God wants you to be successful. God wants you to start your business. God wants you to get the promotion. God wants you to make that. You know why? So you can help that person out. I think that's how it works. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, the verse we read in the beginning, says exactly that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Okay, but why? Why be prosperous? Why reproduce? Why fill the earth? Why take charge? Next verse, why? So you can be responsible for every living thing that moves on earth. Listen, I hate to come hard at you like this, and I don't usually preach like this. I don't know if you know this, but your neighbor is your responsibility. The person who you meet in the parking lot, the person who you brought to church today, they are your responsibility. But we don't like that because we have a little three-year-old that comes out inside of us and says, not mine, mm -mm, not mine. I know in my house, my youngest son, Zane, I always have that problem with him. Not with justice. With justice, he's good. If Zane makes a mess, justice will be the first person. Let me help you out, bro. I'll put this away with you. He loves it. But Zane, mm-mm. You tell Zane to help clean up his brother's mess, he will tell you straight up. He will go, but I didn't make that mess. I'll tell you, but that's not my mess, daddy. He made that mess. He needs to clean it up. But I'm a puppy, but, but, help, but help him out. No, why? You know, why? That's not my mess. I didn't make that mess. You know why you help your brother? Because he's your brother. And because you love your brother and you want to make your father proud. Come on, somebody. 
The reason why we got to help our neighbor, whether we made that nest or not, is because we love him, we love her, and we want to make our father proud. It doesn't matter if you made the mess. It might be their mess. They might have problems. They might have issues. They might be going through a lot, but they are your and my responsibility. You are the ones that God is sending to bless, to lead, to help, to clean. I wonder if you'd join me. Listen, in in two weeks, we're going to have love day. We're going to go out there and take responsibility for our city. We don't care if we didn't make the mess of homelessness. We don't care if we didn't make the mess of prostitution. We didn't make the mess of sex slavery. We're going to help clean it up because we love our brothers and we love our sisters and we want to make our father proud. Amen? you got to have purpose in life. I know people that are too, too, too caught up in their problems and they think, man, I'm going to help out as soon as God fixes my problem. Well, can I tell you something about problems? The moment you fix it, you're going to get another problem. If your whole goal in life is to get rid of problems, you will be doing that your whole life. So I got a better solution. Stop trying to always fix the problems and find a purpose that is bigger than your problem so that you won't even focus on your problem. I tell people all the time, they tell me, man, you're a pastor. Do you get depressed sometime? I'm like, no. I'm too busy to be depressed. I got too many people counting on me. I got to preach on Sunday. I got to be prayed up. My purpose outweighs my problem. It's bigger. My problem lives in the shadow of my purpose. So I got my eyes on my purpose. Not my problem. God's got a job for you. Your neighbor is your responsibility. You are God's hands. You look like him. Let's be that. It's good. You know, it is a sad truth that for so many people, it is the last prayer of their lives that will be the most meaningful prayer. And let me give you some insight. Let me hop you in the time machine to that moment. That moment before you enter into eternity. You know what your prayer will be? not for you. It will be for everyone that you leave behind. The last prayer of your life will always be the most powerful and the most meaningful because it is greater than you. You see it at the airport all the time. I've been traveling a lot this month and I've seen a lot of people say goodbye to people. And they kind of have to go fast because you always have that guy at the Orlando airport who's in this little like wannabe motorcycle like, move it, move it. But in the middle of that, there's tears, there's crying. You know that there's been arguments throughout the week. You know that they fought with each other at some point. But in that moment of departure, it's, hey, I'm going, and I want you to be all right. Be okay. Here's my thing. We never know when the airplane's coming in life. We never know when our next trip is. And so we can't wait for that moment. We need to make that moment today. You know what the evolution is? And I've been tricking you, actually. I'm going to be honest. This whole sermon was a trick. I wanted you to see how God sees you. Not just so that you would see yourself how God sees you. I wanted you to see the way God sees you so that you would see the way God sees people. You included. Bruce makes that prayer at the end. I want someone to see grace. By the way, her name is no coincidence. I want someone to see grace the way you see her through your eyes. So he says, through the way I see her now, through your eyes. There are people in your life, neighbors, friends, family members, who you've been seeing them one way and God is saying, hey, if you really want to make an impact, if you really want your life to mean something, hey, it's time to see them through God's eyes. How much he loves them, how much he wants them, how much he wants to rescue them, how much he wants to bring them home through his eyes. And then I love that part where he's like, pray. And Bruce is like, well, I pray for world peace and the hunger. Remember, and God's like, that's good if you want to be Miss America. 
He says, what's, what's important to you? And then he says the name of, of his girlfriend of five years. He says, Grace. Here's what I've learned about changing the world. Raise your hand if you want to be a part of changing the world. I mean, I do. I don't want my world, I don't want my world to be temporary. I don't want to be limited. I want to change the world. Here's the thing. You can't change the world by focusing on the world. His prayers went from the world to the person that he lived with. God doesn't want you to see the world differently. He, he wants you to start. He does want you to see the world differently, but here's what he wants you to start. By seeing your wife differently. By seeing your children differently. By seeing your, your husband differently. By seeing your boss differently. By seeing your neighbor whose dog always does his business on your lawn differently. By seeing the person in the apartment above you who keeps making noise and doesn't let you get any sleep differently. Seeing them differently and that is where you start. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this installment of At The Movies. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.